0: We are back here on the block, Austin and Rico, with you. Joined now on the Honda of Lincoln hotline by Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. This is big for me. I've talked plenty to Evan uh, off the air, called him a number of times. Evan, this is a big moment for me. Finally, actually, to, you know, chat with you on the air about actual sports topics.
1: I know this is great. It's like we we have the experience in the green room, and now we're we're front and center. That
0: we are. Well, we'll start with the uh, Husker football here. Uh, Nebraska, one of two on its most recent transfer targets. They get Billy Kemp into Lincoln, that uh, they miss out on it. Micah Mazuka. We'll start with the wide receiver room. As I look at that, Evan, I'm not sure who the lead guy is. My gut tells me it's Marcus Washington, but Billy Kemp's played a lot of football. Maybe there's another leap in Elante Brown. If there is a lead guy for Nebraska football next year, do you think it's one of those three or could it be someone else?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I think the only other one you'd throw in there maybe would be Joshua Fleeks, having played a Baylor under sure. rule for a few years too. But no, I mean, I think it's probably probably Billy Kemp. I mean you you look at what he's done at Virginia, nearly two hundred career catches. He's a you know, a slot guy, which I think will serve Nebraska pretty well. Like we're used to in the last handful of years uh watching Nebraska kind of air it out and throw deep quite a bit. I, I kind of feel like uh, Billy Kemp's skill set of a, a five, nine sort of jitterbug sort of dude um, will play to their favor where he can sit at the sticks or, um, you know, find a pocket in, 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 zone coverage and move forward in that way. Like he just, you look at some of his highlights and he's a guy who just finds a way uh, in all sorts of different settings. So you know, I think it, he's probably valuable in that way. Again, I think fleeks is, uh, he, he's going to be valuable too, but I think some of some of his value to the team is going to be honestly uh, on the sidelines and in the locker room, sort of spreading the gospel of rule and, and showing that, you know, he's experienced firsthand what a transformation under that head coach has looked like at Baylor. So I think he brings some credibility there. And I mean, certainly like you mentioned, Marcus Washington uh, had his moments too. Um, and it'll be interesting because Nebraska really for a third year in a row, uh, and, and, and honestly many years in a row has sort of reset at receiver. And they've had some luck in the portal. Mm-hmm. If you think about Samori Toure a couple of years ago and Trey Palmer this last year. So there are receivers to be had and, and we've seen firsthand that that success can carry over quickly. Um, but, but you're right when you have a new offense, potentially a new quarterback, depending on how that battle shapes out, uh, it'll be interesting to sort of see who emerges.
2: Speaking on a new quarterback, Evan, um, we were looking earlier and saw that, uh, according to Vegas, Jeff Sims has some, uh, I-, I believe, a top 20 odds to win the Heisman next season. He's got he's, – he's one spot above uh, Marvin Harrison. I think they have the same amount of odds, but they have him above Marvin Harrison Jr. What are – Uh, And my thought process with that is I don't even know if he's going to be the starter. Yes, he'll have a leg up. And I want to get your thoughts on this. He'll have a leg up on Casey Thompson because Casey's not going to be able to practice in the spring, uh, maybe going into the summer due to the surgery that he had. uh, And he's the handpicked guy that this staff uh, got out of the portal but Casey Thompson has been through it before down at Texas with Hudson Card. He's he's n- not new to a quarterback battle. So I just want to get your thoughts on, on, on the quarterback battle and Jeff Sims being, you know, in the top 25 of Heisman
1: odds. I mean, the first thing I think of when I when I hear that is uh, Adrian Martinez in 2019. How he was a dark horse Heisman guy, and that didn't pan out. And, and it really wasn't fair to him, I think, in a lot of ways that that was put on him. And so – you know, I guess you take it with a grain of salt. You have to have a name in there if you're an odds maker and you're trying to create some kind of action. But that seems incredibly premature. I think from this moment in time, when you know, again, he's he's not even gotten to campus yet. Um, like you mentioned, he's going to have an advantage this spring with Casey Thompson recovering from shoulder surgery, where Sims will be able to, to go through the reps and learn the offense and, and build those relationships. Uh, but man, there's just there's a long way between now and next season and how that's going to go uh you know you talk about i'm talking about odds it, it does feel like maybe at this exact second that if you had to pick somebody sims might be that guy that they might tab uh for a number of reasons i think one you, you think back to what matt rule and marcus satterfield have both said about that competition i mean they have both praised sims for his um his ability his intangibles his his personality as a leader um, and I think the comments about Casey Thompson have been a little bit more muted um, you think about how rules rebuilds at temple and Baylor uh, went at that quarterback position they both they started freshmen both times PJ Walker at temple Charlie Brewer at, at Baylor and sort of let those guys develop uh, and, and then that, that helped lead to those breakouts in year three so that's that's I think something else you could envision with Sims where I, I believe he has Still, three years, or uh, two or three years of eligibility remaining um, that you can build on. Whereas Casey Thompson has the one. The only other thing I'll say about Casey Thompson, though, man, is he's he's going to be the most prepared guy in the room. If you've spent any time with him, we've heard him talk last year. Uh, you know, days after uh, Matt Rule was hired, he was telling me at the at the press conference that he's already been studying, you know, Marcus Satterfield film and going through that. So I just I can't count him out. Just knowing what a film junkie he is, how much he loves the game. Uh, I think he is more of a capable runner, maybe, than people give him credit for being. So it'll be a really fascinating uh, quarterback position. And and the last point I think that's that's important to remember is that, you know, how many years in a row now has Nebraska needed its backup quarterback because of injury, because of different things that have popped up? Uh, You know, my hunch is that both of those guys, if they're around and ready to roll, uh, will make a difference or have a hand in how Nebraska does next season.
0: Sticking on the offense here, Evan. We move to the offensive line. You don't get Mike Mazuka Uh He had you know a handful of good suitors in, in Nebraska, Florida, Auburn. You know a few of the names that are back though, in, in Corcoran and ben Hart and Weely and Prohaska. But who's going to play center? You go from Trent or, uh, from Trent Hickson last year, Cam Jurgens before that. That's a big hole in the middle that I think Nebraska has to fill. Do you think there's a chance that like uh, the staff last year experimented perhaps with Turner Corcoran at center? He kicks inside, or do you think it's someone else that's snapping the ball?
1: Well, I mean, you talk about big portal additions. I think it's it's probably Ben Scott's job to lose the Arizona State transfer who who came in. Uh, you know, he was the starting center for. The Sun doubles last year, and a big reason that he transferred uh, to Nebraska was because he felt like that was sort of his future in the NFL. So I would be surprised if it was anybody other than, than Ben Scott in there. Um, and he's a guy who I, I believe still has two years of eligibility, but, um, you know, he, I, I spoke with him last month, and he felt like one good season could really uh, boost his draft stock moving forward. So, uh, you know, the, the line in general, it's it's interesting because obviously it was – a point of weakness for Nebraska last year. You hear Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield both say fairly emphatically that they feel like that line will not be a weakness this year, that it might even be a strength for that offense. And and so how does that come about? Um, like you mentioned, they miss out on Micah Mazuka, who would have been a really uh, interesting interior lineman. He'd, he'd been a, a longtime starter at left guard. So, you know, you're going to probably put Corcoran somewhere in there. I would imagine Ben Hart, like you mentioned, back in the mix – uh, Nori is going to be back off a of suspension, and then we'll see what happens with Walter Rouse, the the Stanford left tackle, who's set to make his decision at some point today. So, um, you know, a, a lot of pieces that are still to kind of come together, and then of course they added the, some high school pieces that you'd expect in a, in a couple of years to be factors too. So, uh, very much you know, a work in progress, um, and I think ultimately the name of the game is still going to be development. Like you, you, you might patch a hole. Or two with some transfers this year, um, but ultimately, you know, the, the programs that have success in the Big Ten, they find those those big men, they develop them, they keep them in the program, uh, build some sort of continuity. So I think, uh, even though Nebraska is looking for a stopgap to to find some success immediately in 2023, there's sort of a longer range game that they're just getting started on that in the trenches.
2: We're speaking with Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. And Evan, we keep talking addition, addition, addition. But the problem with adding so many people this offseason is that there's going to have to be some subtraction before the season starts. They're over the scholarship limit right now. Um, I know we're not going to get, you know, name uh, exact names or anything. But there's a couple position groups with uh, an an inordinate amount of people in them. Uh, Mostly, you know, a lot of people have been focused on the quarterback room with. Uh, I don't know something like six or seven scholarship quarterbacks right now. Um, what's the expectation for maybe how long Nebraska waits before we start seeing maybe more people enter the transfer portal leaving Nebraska?
1: Yeah, it's a great point, and uh, you know, unofficially, my count, I think they're right around ninety-one or ninety-two, and you have to be down to eighty-five. By the time that fall camp starts, um, you know, and I say unofficially because sometimes there are guys who maybe went on last year. You don't know if they had a recurring scholarship, if they were former walk-ons, they're just sort of some housekeeping things, but mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. They need to, to trim some spots. Um, I would be surprised if you see many of those here in the next week, the portal closes on the 18th. Um, and at this point, like there's not a lot of incentive to enter unless you have a landing spot secured, because if you're, You know, if you're thinking about it, you already have a scholarship in hand at your current institution. So uh, I would imagine you're not going to see much movement now at the end of spring when there's that second portal window between May 1st and May 15th. I think that's when you really are going to see sort of that second wave where guys see the writing on the wall. Maybe they've gone through uh, spring ball and they have a sense of where they might be on the depth chart and how things shake out. But yeah, I mean, specific to Nebraska, you look at the quarterback room, seven scholarship players. Um, I know fans were disappointed with, uh, you know, Malik Hornsby not uh, coming to Nebraska, the uh, Arkansas quarterback transfer. But to me, that was not a situation where Texas State beat Nebraska. That was a situation where a guy uh, could start at one school and he'd be one of eight scholarship quarterbacks at the other. So I think that's sort of that situation. Um, You know, the other interesting part about that room specifically is, This staff has said they want to continue to utilize the quarterback run game. And a lot of these players who are here were recruited to that system, whether that's Logan Smothers or Richard Torres or Heinrich Harburg. So, you know, it it will be a really interesting spring to see how some of this competition shakes out. We mentioned Casey Thompson's going to be out with a shoulder injury. It sounds like Logan Smothers uh, will be recovering from a similar procedure. So you would think that the reps would be there. Um, But again, I think there's just, uh, you know, a a few months here of workouts with players getting to meet the new coaches, with the newcomers being integrated into the team. And I would imagine by early May, uh, a lot of those um, maybe numbers issues as it relates to scholarships will be figured out on their own.
0: Switching sides of the ball real quick here, Evan. Uh, we'll hear from uh, defensive backs coach Evan Cooper and running backs coach EJ Barthol tomorrow, but in the defensive backfield, that's a position I like a lot for Nebraska with a lot of the guys that they have coming back with a Newsom, Hartzog, Farmer, hopefully Marcus Buford uh, can make a quick recovery. If you think of that three-three-five, Tony White wants to run, I'd like to think Newsom, Hartzog, and Farmer are three of those five uh, manning the back end spots there who are the other two? Is that Isaac Gifford in one of those, or is he factor into that second level of three more in that linebacker type role, even though he played some safety, but who do you think are the other two guys that fill in right now, the the five and the
1: 3-3-5? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, you know, you hear Tony White, the new DC talk about it last week, and, and uh, a lot of the 3-3-5 proponents would tell you that one of the real advantages of it is that it can adjust to your personnel. So, I mean, they've used examples where, hey, if you're stacked on the defensive line, maybe it's a four-two-five. If you have a lot of, you know, an excess of linebackers, maybe it is more of a standard three-three-five. 3 um, You know, Nebraska fans, I think, would recognize it more as, as a situation where that nickel package is sort of your base defense. And so, I mean, that's probably where you start is with guys who have filled that role with Nebraska, that are still there, whether that's Isaac Gifford, uh, whether that's Javon Wright, um, you know, maybe you do feel good about just some of your younger defensive backs who are on the, on the rise. And, and that's a position too, where you think about the secondary and you mentioned the names. I mean, essentially if you wanted to roll back with all, with your starting secondary from last year, you know, barring um, Marquise Buford's recovery, you could do that. Um, and then you, you add a lot of really interesting players to the mix. One guy that I've uh, you know, heard a lot about who who might fit that bill in terms of being versatile as Chief Borders, the the mm-hmm. um, Florida transfer, and, and you know his his uh, former teammate there, Corey Collier, who was a top 120 national prospect coming out of high school a few years ago. And you know, you look at both of their measurables; those are uh, bigger, quick, quick twitch sort of guys. And when the task is to, you know, on one hand you need to be able to stop the run, maybe pursue the quarterback, and, and on the next snap maybe you have to drop back and cover a tight end or a, a slot receiver. Uh, there just aren't a ton of guys who have that range of abilities. And so I think it, it's probably a small group, and and coaches will probably start to – you know, get a better sense of it when they get to know their players a little bit, as far as what that alignment's going to look like. Um, but I do think Nebraska has enough players on that on the roster right now uh, that are versatile enough to make this thing work. Um, you know, at least close to what they want early on.
2: We're speaking with Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald, and Evan. They made it officially, officially, official with rule adding three assistants to the Nebraska staff: Bob Wager, Rob Dvorakchik, uh and the more questioned one in garrett mcguire the 23 year old soon to be 24 year old wide receiver coach what are some of the pros and the cons of having a a you know coach as young as him on the staff
1: yeah that's an interesting one i you know one of if not the youngest power five assistant right now 23 i think he turns 24 in a few weeks so um yeah i mean that's it's a really really interesting hire he was a uh a quarterback most of his playing career through high school, backup quarterback at Baylor. Um, you know, I, I've spoken to a couple people who have known him through most of his career and, and they would tell you that, you know, this is a guy who uh, is a coach's son, obviously his dad, Joey, is the head coach at Texas tech. Uh, he, he's lived and breathed it his whole life. Um, but he also is highly intelligent. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, there, there's, he's a guy who sort of ex- experiments in his own schemes um, and, and putting it into software and, and sort of laying stuff out that way. Um, he's got now experience in the NFL with Carolina as sort of their version of a graduate assistant and um, you know by all accounts is a, a really outgoing, personable sort of guy too. And, and it's a pretty short list of guys who have gotten opportunities like this at this young of an age um, you know, and you, and you hear the names like Lincoln Riley and, um, you know, other, other, other players or other coaches like that who've gone on to bigger things. Um, the flip side, I think, uh, you're going to see at least early on, maybe in the recruiting side of things. There was a, a transfer portal receiver who I had followed up with who had gotten a Nebraska offer who said, yeah, you know, he liked Nebraska, but he wasn't so sure about the receivers coach. And it's hard to blame him. Um, you know, again, when you're coming in and you have one shot to try to get into the NFL – um and you see you know a 23 24 year old who hasn't played the position so it, it's a it's a deal where he's going to have to earn it i think um obviously matt rule i think has an eye for talent you look at his coaching history uh, with the hires that he's made he has in his decade as a head coach he has a history of identifying young guys who have gone on to bigger and better things and so this may be another example of that um, but, again, in the early going, when you're 23, man, you're going to have to prove yourself. And, and so I think that, that task is out there for young Garrett McGuire.
0: It's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald joining us here. Evan, appreciate the time, and I hope we can get a chance to check, catch up again next week.
1: Can't wait. Thanks, guys.
0: Once again, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Coming up next, a shootout with Rico. Let's Call do in it. now the Honda of Lincoln hotline, 402-464-5685. None of
2: you are smarter than me.
0: No, Rico's the
2: smartest guy in the room. It's he fact. knows that. We know that. But maybe, just maybe. So I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I am the uh, smartest y- you are. I am the smartest you among are. anybody who calls in. Sure. Yeah, take how that. Do you, how do
0: you feel about Big Ten slash Nebraska basketball? Now I fact feel terrible. Wise. Oh, boy. All right. Not There's great. your chance. Nope. $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings on the line if you think you know more about uh, some Big Ten teams and some uh, Nebraska basketball statistical leaders. We'll play the shootout next.